the wrestling podcast about nothing is brought to you by bda radio bda radio doesn't break news they break the news with their wild commentary regarding mma and wrestling head on over to bdaradio.com and check out all of the latest news on the ufc bellator wwe and much more they are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves bdaradio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to episode 26 of the BDA Radio exclusive edition of the wrestling podcast about nothing on BDAradio.com and the podcast radio network. I am longtime pro wrestling referee Mike Crockett, and I am not joined as always by independent wrestling veteran, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. No, folks. No, no, no. The Kingpin is on assignment on Bad Street in Atlanta, GA. He is away this week. We thought we could work it out. We thought we could uh, pull some strings, get the Kingpin on here during the week from his hotel room, his plush living facility for the week. But uh, it was not meant to be. It did not happen. The Kingpin could not get away. So it is me, Mike Crockett, your humble host, on my own this week. Kingpin did a couple weeks back on the NAI Network, and I figured, uh, sounds pretty easy. So I'll do it myself here this week on BDA Radio. And, I mean, to be honest, I'm a little relieved to be here by myself after the time I had this past Monday on the New Age Insiders Network. The Kingpin and the reinforcements came out in the firebrand Brian Fury, of course, the owner of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy the trainer of one Sasha Banks, of one Donovan Dijak, of Oni Lorcan, of so many more stars in wrestling that you've heard of that you will be hearing of very soon. Brian Fury, I don't know why I'm putting him over so much because he spent the entire episode this past Monday, episode 65 of the podcast, just burying me six feet under. So for my lack of viewing of the current WWE product. But uh, that was this past Monday and... The double team, the handicap match, as TK put it, at T-Hawk94 on Twitter, the handicap match is over, and I am kind of thankful, to be honest, to be here on my own this time, this Thursday, on BDA Radio, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit that the peer pressure of this past Monday got to me. They did it. They accomplished their goal. Brian Fury, more specifically, accomplished his goal. I did tune in. To Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Yes, after a couple months of being away from the product, I told everybody there's just too much. I can't dedicate that amount of time, so I'm not going to dedicate any amount of time to WWE at this point. Well, yes, they beat me down. They forced me into submission, and I did tune in this past Monday to Raw. I mean, partially is because they had built up a good little angle with the Kurt Angle thing. I thought that. There was It was intriguing to me, and I wanted to see the payoff. I mean, the payoff, I guess, 
it's wait and see. But I mean, the, obviously, the fans online weren't too keen on the reveal of Jason Jordan as Kurt Angle's illegitimate son. Um, I'm not sure it's PC to say someone is someone's illegitimate son. But anyway, Jason Jordan is the son of Kurt Angle. It was revealed. People didn't like it. I'm going to wait and see on it. I mean, obviously, this will mean a push for Jason Jordan. It'll mean the breakup of American Alpha, who is a very, very successful and like very quickly became one of the best tag teams in the world. And it's a shame that that had to come to an end uh, so suddenly, so soon, before they really had a chance to break out on the main, on the main roster. But uh, I guess they're giving uh, the strap in the rocket to Jason Jordan. You know, he's a good-looking guy. He's built the way Vince McMahon likes people to be built. And he's going to be uh, he's going to be given a shot, and that's good on him. Good for Jason Jordan. I know he toiled in NXT for a very long time, and now he's finally getting a shot. That's good. Uh, Chad Gable, I think, will do just fine. Of course, he doesn't have the same proportions as Jason Jordan. Uh, a few inches shorter there, and that might be held against him. But uh, he did very well, from what I understand, from what Brian Fury said this past Monday. He did very well against AJ Styles on SmackDown a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure he will have... Uh, some more opportunities. I don't know if they'll be as uh, plentiful as what Jason Jordan will get as the quote-unquote son of Kurt Angle, but we'll see about that. I know he's a very, very talented guy, former Olympian, so good luck to Chad Gable in his endeavors in the singles division on SmackDown as Jason Jordan moves to Raw. But see, here I am. I'm talking about Raw. I'm talking about WWE. They did it. They did it. They win. Brian Fury, Brian Malonis, you win. It's happened. I'm back. I'm back on the train. Back on the WWE train. But oh, of course, I didn't really see SmackDown. But <laughs> I know Mike Kanellis uh, from the area, a local New England guy, uh, formerly Mike Bennett. I know he debuted on SmackDown. I'm just reading that he is going to be on the pay-per-view Battleground, which is this Sunday on the WWE Network. Will I sign up for the network before Sunday? Will I see Battleground? Will I see the pay-per-view debut of Mike Kanellis? I guess you'll have to stay tuned to this Monday on the New Age Insiders Network, the wrestling podcast about nothing over there. Make sure you subscribe to the NAI Network. If you subscribed over here, you should definitely be subscribed over there on the NAI Network, and I appreciate that. Somewhere else you can go is on Facebook to the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group. I've set that up to connect podcasters with podcast fans, all podcasts, any podcasts. We're talking about anything in the realm of professional wrestling podcasts, and I really hope you'll come and join us. All I have to do is look up Putting Over Podcasts. Just put that in the search bar on Facebook, and of course, it will come up. You just uh, click join, and I will approve you, and you will be a part of the growing community over there on Facebook. Make sure you go find that and come and join us and talk about uh, pro wrestling podcasts over on facebook as for this podcast right here the wrestling podcast about nothing well coming up we've got merv griffin time that's where we get your thoughts and answer your questions plus one more evil snicker will be immortalized in our heel laugh hall of fame But first, we are discussing a different topic each week voted on by our listeners and followers at the WPAN on Twitter. This week's topic is... No, Randall Keough, it is not favorite wrestling manager. At Randall Keough on Twitter chimed in saying, It's a lost art managing. How is the favorite manager losing the poll? 
Well, sadly, Randall, it did lose the poll, but the winning pick, the topic this week on episode 26 on BDA Radio is the best wrestler to never win a world championship. Uh, These days in professional wrestling with, as I've talked about ad nauseum uh, the past couple weeks on the podcast, it's very difficult with all the programming, five hours of programming a week on a good week. There's so many hours that there's so much time for these championships to be bandied back and forth, and they have been. I think anyone who's not just come up from NXT has a good shot at getting a world championship at some point, especially being that there's two uh, you know, world championship level championships in the WWE. I think most, if not all, of the guys around today and probably since the Attitude Era uh, well, there are a couple on my list here as we as we just about get to uh, the best wrestlers never to win a world title. There's a couple, one or two maybe, maybe one from the Attitude Era that are on the list, but most everybody who is anywhere close to the top of the card got a world championship that deserved it. So uh, a lot of this is going to be stuff from... The early days from the 80s when you had the one or two hours of syndicated TV on the weekends and, you know, at most maybe a couple pay-per-views a year. That's the time when championships did not change hands every week. It was not a hot potato, the World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, someone like Mike Mills might say it was the, uh, you know, the golden era of professional wrestling. Actually, probably a lot of people say that. That is the golden era of wrestling. The 80s. and a lot of great talent from the 80s did not end up having a world championship to their name. Uh, I mean, one just off the top of my head, Jake the Snake Roberts, never a world heavyweight champion. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, what you hear about Jake was he was the guy, he was the baby face in WWF that uh, got the guys ready to go after Hogan. So Jake Roberts was, uh, you know, a couple notches below Hogan. And, of course, Hulk Hogan was the perennial WWF World Heavyweight Champion for a, a lot of the 80s. So there wasn't a lot of opportunities for guys, especially a babyface, uh, other than Hogan, to be the World Heavyweight Champion. And Jake Roberts was, uh, you know, the luck of the draw in that case. He was a babyface. He was underneath Hogan. And he was the guy, as I said, that got the guys ready to wrestle Hulk Hogan in the main events. So Jake Roberts had his place and he was not, uh, it was not on the cards for him to be a world champion. But uh, of course, I mean, just a completely super talented guy. One of the best promos in the business. And he's, uh, you know, he's cleaned up his act now with the DDP and all that stuff. So that's, Great on him. Uh, I'm really hoping he doesn't try to make a comeback to get that world title under his uh, under his belt. But uh, he deserve he would deserve one. If uh, I don't know about today, but he would deserve one. Um, a Jake the Snake Roberts, who uh, would be a deserving world champion. But just the way things work out, the logistics of the time, he just was not able to be a world champion. It's too bad, but you know, I'm sh- he had a great career, and I'm sure he's happy with that. We talked about this past Monday on the promo about nothing on the NAI network. This gentleman, he was close. He was wrestling the world champion, the WWF heavyweight champion at the time, but never came away with the title. That is, of course, the late Owen Hart. The Black Heart, the King of Hearts, the Rocket, all those different nicknames, the Blue Blazer. Uh, Owen Hart, 
as I mentioned, at the, he was at the top of the card at one point. Un, uh, unlike Jake Roberts, he was at the very top of the card, wrestling the heavyweight champion, going around the loop all over the country, all over the world, wrestling his brother, Brett. But uh, Owen, uh, in the end, couldn't get the job done. I'm not sure if maybe Vince didn't think he could carry as a top heel, carry the championship, but... Owen Hart never got that shot to be the world heavyweight champion. And once his run with his brother was over, I mean, that's the ready-made feud, you know, the bitter younger brother and the older brother who's the world champion. That's the story there. And once you don't have that story involved, Owen Hart didn't have that world championship program after that. He kind of, you know, went down the ranks a little bit. He feuded. Uh, he was part of the Nation of Domination at one point, yes, with the caution tape. On his gear, well, not exactly caution tape. When they mocked him with the the parody of, of the Nation of Domination, uh, he had caution tape on his gear. Jason Sensation did, the one who did the excellent impression of Owen Hart, had the caution. But he did have a caution tape-esque look to his gear, Owen Hart. But, uh, yeah, he never really got back to the, He ended up in a tag team uh, with Jeff Jarrett. He was in a tag team with Yokozuna out of nowhere, which is very strange. Yokozuna and Owen Hart together as a tag team didn't really go together. But, you know, they were on, both under the tutelage of Jim Cornette. So I guess they made it work. They were world tag team champions. I mean, this, but this is we're not talking about world tag team champions here. It's world singles championships, if I didn't really get that across when I uh, started here. But Owen Hart... Uh, would have been a good world champion, I think. Maybe not a great world. Uh, it's it's tough to say. It's tough to say, especially since the man's passed away in a, in a obviously in a completely tragic way. But uh, I'll just say Owen Hart uh, would have been a good world heavyweight champion, but it didn't happen. And obviously, we're working up to my number one pick, who was the best wrestler to never win a world championship. Let's go to the Attitude Era guy. I talked about there's one guy on my list who is from the Attitude Era who did not win a world championship. Probably the only person who fits this category who was this high on the card and didn't win a world title, and that is Razor Ramon slash Scott Hall. Razor Ramon, of course, a multi-time Intercontinental Champion in the WWF. Then he went down to WCW. He was teamed, of course, with Kevin Nash as the Outsiders. So he was in a tag team deal, and Kevin Nash was slotted as the world champion in that duo. He was the one that was pushed for the world championship. You know, Scott Hall won some other championships, of course, a tag team champion with, uh, with Kevin Nash and the Outsiders. But... Did not get slotted up at the very, very tippity top where Kevin Nash was. Uh, so Scott Hall did not get that world championship to his name. But obviously, very talented guy. You know, deserving. Deserving of a world championship. Um, let's hit a couple, before I get to my number one pick here, let's hit a couple that uh, people say uh, deserved a world title and might not even know that they were world champions. Mr. Perfect, of course, he never won a world championship in the WWF. He was an intercontinental champion. That's where he was slotted in that company. But he was a former AWA world heavyweight champion in 1987, of course, under his real name, Kurt Hennig. Uh, he, obviously, the AWA, it was still somewhat viable at that point. They were working with Memphis and you know, Kurt Henning was going down there to defend against Jerry Lawler. I think he eventually lost the AWA world title to Jerry Lawler. But 
it wasn't what it was in 1987, but it still had a few years of life left. Uh, it was still classified. If you go back to the Pro Wrestling Illustrateds of the day, it was still classified as a world championship, the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. So Mr. Perfect, though not in the WWF, was a world champion. And this one's a little controversial here. Another guy from Minnesota, of course, Kurt Hennig from Minnesota, and Ravishing Rick Rude, also from that great state. A lot of great talents came out of Minnesota. But Rick Rude, uh, a lot of people say, one of the best guys to never win a World Heavyweight Championship. But he did basically win a world title, if you really look at it. He won the big gold belt in WCW. He was the guy, he held that big gold belt, of course, you know, which is synonymous with the NWA, which is synonymous with the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. But at that point, it was the NWA World Championship. And Rick Rude won it. And then NWA kind of withdrew the membership of Jim Crockett Promotions. I think it was already World Championship Wrestling at that point. I think it definitely was. It was Ted Turner owned at that point. So the membership in the NWA was withdrawn from WCW because they didn't like how they were uh, all willy-nilly with uh, naming their champions. So Rick Rude ended up becoming the WCW International World Heavyweight Champion, which is kind of a strange (laughs) name for a championship. But... The reason I'm I'm a little this is a little iffy to me is because of course there was at the same time in WCW there was a WCW World Heavyweight Champion I believe it was Lex Luger at the time because this is when Rick Rude had left and gone to the WWF and then they ended up getting that title back and I, I think this is the correct timeline if not please tweet me at the WPAN on Twitter or at Crocsox but. Uh, Ric Flair was gone. Uh, Lex Luger had that new WCW championship that they had to create when Rick took the belt with him to the WWF. So uh, when they got that belt back, Rick Rude won it. And yeah, Lex Luger was still the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. So there were two quote-unquote world champions running around WCW at the time. Of course, Luger was the top recognized champion, you know, because that was the main title in WCW. So this other title, I I mean... Can you have two world champions in the same promotion? I know they do it in WWF, but um, you know they're two separate brands, so it's a little different there. But I guess you can consider Rick Rude's international world title a world title. And if you do, I mean, he can't be on this list. But I think it's worth mentioning because that world title is it's a strange situation that came about with the uh, the international world heavyweight championship uh, a couple more here um i want to make sure i get this in for my good friend mike mills from the book in the territory pro wrestling podcast magnum ta of course magnum ta was groomed obviously who is being groomed for a championship run defeating rick flair for the world heavyweight title but tragically that uh car accident sidelined Magnum TA indefinitely. Of course, he left wrestling. He didn't come back as an announcer, but he had to retire due to his injuries from that car accident. But Magnum TA almost definitely would have been a world heavyweight champion for the National Wrestling Alliance, but it was not to be. That's just circumstance that's uh, different from anything else we've talked about here so far, but just the circumstances of that uh, devastating injury and retirement prevented Magnum TA from ever being a world heavyweight champion. But of course, 
He was a great wrestler. He was super popular, and he would have been a world champion, but it just... Uh, just that terrible timing with what everything that happened with uh, with Magnum TA. Terry Allen, it didn't happen for him. Um, okay, we got two left here on my list. One of these will be my first runner-up, and one of these will be the best wrestler to never win a world title. I got to go. All right. My number one runner-up, and even this one is a little bit iffy. I'll say the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, quick plug, you can hear him last week on the New Age Insiders podcast. Um, the great interview with Ted DiBiase, and of course he got that laugh out there. <laughs> and I got my laugh in there right there. But Ted DiBiase, you know, everyone knows the story that he bought the World Championship from Andre the Giant after he won it on the main event right before WrestleMania 4. The title was then vacated and put up in a tournament, and WrestleMania 4 was one of my first... Uh, that's where I first fell in love with the WWE. That I got that videotape and watched that. I wore that tape out, the WrestleMania 4 tape, and that is where my love for wrestling officially began. And it all started... Basically, thanks to Ted DiBiase for uh, buying the championship to end up setting up that tournament. And I guess you can say, Ted DiBiase, is he a former world champion? He never won the title in the ring. He bought it you know, through this angle. He bought the championship. He wore it. I think I mean, there was a weekend of house shows that he wore the championship. I'm not sure he defended it. I don't believe he defended it. He might have been in tag team matches that weekend, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Ted DiBiase... Held the championship. I mean, he physically held it in his hands, but did he really? Should he be in the record books as a former world heavyweight champion? Let me know your thoughts at the WPAN on Twitter. I say no. I say he's not a world champion. He didn't win it in the ring. So he's on my list as one of the best wrestlers to never win a world title. In fact, my number one runner up, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And of course, I have to go for my number one pick, the best wrestler to never win a world championship has to be is there any other pick one of my favorites hot rod rowdy roddy piper he was programmed with hogan wrestlemania won that tag team match it was him and hogan leading up to that first wrestlemania they put basically wwf on the map he helped make hulkamania roddy piper and it just, you know, the way things were, WWF, as they say, is a babyface territory. They like to keep the babyface as a champion. They keep feeding him heels. Roddy Piper was one of those heels. And uh, I mean, amazingly, I don't think he ever did a pinfall job <laughs> to Hulk Hogan, but he did not. He was not able to wrest the world championship ever from Hulk Hogan. So Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper, I'd say has to be has to be the number one pick for the best wrestler to never win a world title. And I'm just waiting for somebody to come back at me and say, he won it in WCW. I, I, to be honest, he, he may have. Did he, did he win it from Hogan in WCW? I, 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 if it was, it was, it was a, a short reign. It was um, 
you know, it was the twilight beyond the twilight of Roddy Piper's career. He had already had hip surgery at that point. He was not the same man. Of course, he'd always had those great promos, but he was not the same man. I don't think that happened, though. I don't think he was every world champion in WCW when he went over there. But I'm talking about Roddy Piper in his prime would have been a fantastic, an amazing world heavyweight champion, a top heel. It just I could just hear those promos. Just see him on Piper's pit, you know, with that world championship around his waist, just giving everybody the what for. But it was not uh, it was not in the cards for Roddy, Roddy Piper, just the way things were in the WWF. Hulk Hogan was the man. Hulk Hogan was the babyface. Hulk Hogan had the title. He kept the title for a very long time. Only, you know, a couple times there, a couple of hiccups there without the championship in the 80s. But it was all Hogan all the time, and that was to the detriment of a guy like Rowdy Roddy Piper. But still... As I mentioned, one of the guys that helped elevate Hulk Hogan, that helped elevate the WWF into that first WrestleMania and made basically the company what it is today. That's Rowdy Roddy Piper, the best wrestler, in my opinion, to never win a world championship in the WWF anyway. (laughs) Uh, Let me know, folks. Let me know. Roddy Piper, is he your number one pick? Who is your number one pick? Who is your best wrestler to never win a world title? Tweet me at the WPAN. You go to facebook.com slash the WPAN. You can find the post where I put this podcast. Just comment. Comment right underneath there. Or maybe even go to Putting Over Podcasts, the Facebook group. Go in there. Let us know. Who do you think is the best wrestler to never win a world championship to start a new uh, conversation there over there on Putting Over Podcasts, the Facebook group. It is Merv Griffin time, folks. Yes. It is named for Brian Malonis's favorite episode of our favorite show, Seinfeld. And we're doing voicemails over on the NAI Network edition of the podcast, by the way. So get yours in now. We will play it this Monday. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. But the way to participate here on Merv Griffin Time is using our hashtag on Twitter, hashtag WPAN. And last week, I made fun of Brian Malonis for taking all those sips of water. Kingpin, I need a drink of water. Uh, so we get H2O for the working man there. Uh, thank you for indulging me there. <laughs> and uh, Kingpin, sorry about that last week. Anyway, let's get to the tweets. Last week on the podcast, we talked about the worst wrestling factions. And Big Dog, at Big Dog Racing on Twitter, says, How could you miss major guns? Of the Misfits in action, I can think of two reasons to remember the major. Um, she has blonde hair, and hmm. oh, big tits. Okay, yes. Uh, Greg Myron, the winner of the contest, the Super Kick Party Part Two DVD. If he doesn't have it already, he will have it very soon. He says, "If you want the worst faction, by the way, he is at Lone Wolf G A M on Twitter." He says, if you want the worst faction, the Alliance and Sports Entertainment Extreme, bro. All products of the man who books trash TV, bro. Hmm, Who's that? Yeah, the Alliance, of course, was the group of former WCW guys, former ECW guys who were put together to challenge the WWF. And, of course, they were no challenge whatsoever. And uh, that goes down as one of the... Worst played out angles in wrestling history and sports entertainment extreme was S E X. You get it? 
You get it? What the letters stand for? Huh? Huh? It's like uh, it's like you know doing that uh, dirty stuff. But uh, Sports Entertainment Extreme was in TNA, and of course that was a Vince Russo property. Who was in that? I know is um, low key was one was. Um, hmm. I'll have to go look that up. Let me know at the WPAN on Twitter. Sports Entertainment Extreme. Yes, that was uh, a pretty terrible name anyway um, for uh, total non-step action wrestling. Scooter One. He is at Scoot1972. That's S-C-O-O-T-E-1972. He says, the York Foundation. I remember that. Alexandra York, who would go on to be Marlena, which was, you know, of course, Goldust's manager, former husband of Dustin Rhodes, uh, and she managed Terrence Taylor, the tailor-made man, uh, Richard Morton, Thomas Rich was there as well. Just, you know, they just gave them their full first names, and they all wore suits. And, you know, she programmed into her computer, uh, you know, how they could win their wrestling matches and... Apparently, it was a terrible program, bad software, because they rarely won in WCW in the York Foundation. Okay. David Ratty says, how about the union? Do you remember that? It was so brief. The union, Ken Shamrock, Big Show, Mankind, and Test. The thing I remember about that is that there was a video game that came out like six, nine months, maybe up to a year after the union. It was so brief. The uh, the the union was like just there for maybe a few weeks, a month in WWF, and it just happened to coincide with the time they were developing this game. So in the game, you could have the union come out to the union music. It's like it, they were barely around. I mean, you probably only heard the union music like once or twice in your life, and they were immortalized forever in this video game. I'm not sure whether it was WrestleMania 2000 or maybe it was No Mercy. It might have been No Mercy, but uh, <laughs> that was there forever, and it was a very brief blip in terms of uh, you know the overall picture when it comes to factions. Tony S, at referee Tony S on Twitter, he says... Sports Entertainment Extreme, that was TNA's initial detriment. He says, what about WCW's natural-born thrillers or the disco-led filthy animals? Yeah, there was so much going on with WCW at the end. I'm not even sure I was really watching at that point as it was tumbling downhill. But uh, the th- natural-born thrillers, I think, um, who'd you have in there? You had your Jindrax and your, um, your Sean O'Hare's. The Filthy Animals, of course, uh, led by Disco Inferno in this iteration, I guess. I don't remember that. I just remember, of course, Conan and Rey Mysterio and a couple of others. I don't remember, I think, Billy Kidman as well. I don't remember the Disco-led version of that. Tony, you might have to smart me up on that one. Uh, more with Randall Keough, he says, uh, Other members of the famed Dungeon of Doom, which is my number one pick for worst faction, the Leprechaun, Meng and the Barbarian, Loch Ness, and the Yeti. How did I forget the Yeti? One of our worst gimmicks of all time. How did I possibly forget the Yeti? But I did. He was uh, in the Dungeon of Doom. And th- th- just another reason why that is the worst faction of all time. Space Aladdin at Main Event Swerve on the tweeter. He says, I won't say my pick, but I'll give you these lyrics. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together. Sing along with three count. Yes, three count. Do you remember the boy band 
in World Championship Wrestling, of course, Shane Helms, Shannon Moore, and Evan Courageous. The three count, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, they use that song over on the Pipe Bomb with the Coolant Company to talk about their segment, The Three Count, where they answer questions from the fans, the listeners out there on Twitter. And uh, he's keeping it alive. Matt McCool keeping the Three Count song alive over there on the Pipe Bomb. But, uh, yes, Three Count was somewhat entertaining slightly, but I'll give it to you. A bad, a bad faction in the uh, overall scheme of things. Okay, Fabe, our friend Connor, at Okay Fabe on Twitter. He says, I always thought the core was pretty bad. Yeah, that was on my list. I didn't really get to it. But uh, once the Nexus kind of split off and there was the new Nexus led by CM Punk and then the Wade Barrett-led core, which was not spelled C-O-R-P-S or even C-O-R-E. It was C-O. R-R-E. I don't know if that was just for reasons of being able to copyright it, but uh, that was the core. And who else was in it? Jesus Christ, I couldn't even tell you. I don't have it in front of me here, but the Wade Barrett-led core. Yes, once the Nexus was split off and once it became, you know, watered down, it was it was over before it began with the core. And they were over on SmackDown and the new Nexus was on Raw. So it was obviously on the B show and it was a it was a it was a B faction for sure the core thank you uh, Connor for checking in uh, let me see moving on to uh, Jeff Bartlett he is at Jeff Bartlett 85 on Twitter he says my three favorite podcasts on the NAI network indie pop rant with ant and the wrestling podcast about nothing thank you very much Jeff for uh, your support over there on the NAI Network. And of course, you can subscribe on the New Age Insiders Network and hear us every Monday. And of course, also Indie Pop was on there and Rant with Ant. And uh, make sure you check out all week long the New Age Insiders Network. And Mike Mills, of course, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. He was on, I should say, a couple weeks ago on the New Age Insiders Network. And we talked about him this past Monday because his arch rival in appearance numbers when it comes to the WPAN. Brian Fury was on this past Monday. Mike Mills asked Brian, how much did you pay Crocsox for this appearance on the WPAN? It never ends. What time are we recording next week, Crockett? Uh, Mike, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll give you a call. I I, no, I think we got something big actually planned for this Sunday. We might not need you, but... Uh, you know, stay by the phone always. You're always uh, you're always game to come on the podcast. We really appreciate it, Mike, or I do anyway. But uh, thank you very much, Mike Bills, as always, for your support. And he says, uh, shots fired by Fury. Time for the Uncivil War 2? Maybe. Maybe you can do this Uncivil War 2 with Mike Mills versus Brian Fury. Of course, Brian Fury firmly in the camp of World Wrestling Entertainment and the current product. If you, if you heard this past Monday, he is... In the uh, he's in the camp and he's in the pocket of the WWE. Go listen to Brian Fury talk about his experience as a guest trainer at the Performance Center uh, a couple months ago. That is all this past Monday on episode 65 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. And let me see here, Stephen at HHH Guy 2004. We didn't forget you, Stephen. He says, "Cut out that riveting Big Brother Samoa." And boom, three hours free. <laughs> That's, of course, we talked about my uh, lack of time. 
so I say, my lack of time to watch the current product. And Brian Fury brought up how I watch a lot of Big Brother. And yes, I do. I am entertained by that reality program. And Steven says to, you know, cut out one of the foreign Big Brothers that I watch. And, uh, you know, I have, then I'll have three hours cut out for Raw. And Steven, you don't have to worry. Because as I mentioned on the top of the show, I did watch some Raw. I had no other recourse. I watched Raw. I broke down. It's like a, 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 a junkie who, who got that fix. I got, went back to Raw. Yes, I crawled back to Raw. I did it. And uh, I'm not super proud of it. But, you know, Raw is entertaining. It, it was. I enjoyed the product. I still enjoy the product. But the major factor is my time. My time. My time! Okay. TK at THOG94. He says, tune into this week's episode of the WPAN for a classic handicap match. Brian Malonis and Brian Fury beat down Croc Sox. Yes, I mentioned that tweet, TK, at the top of the show. Thank you. Uh, yes, I survived, but uh, not without my battle scars. And kind of happy to be here in the big chair all by my lonesome here this week on PDA Radio. Glenn Abbott, of course, at GA WrestleNut, our friend from the UK. He says, it's Monday. You know what that means, Mike? Yes, it was Raw. And I watched. You guys all broke me down. I watched Monday Night Raw, Glenn. I watched Monday Night Raw, Brian Fury, Brian Malonis, everybody out there. I watched the product. You did it. You did it. I'm back, okay? I'm back, baby. I'm back. But, um, you know, we'll see if I get to Battleground this Sunday. If I have to shell out a couple shekels to get the network again to see Battleground. Uh, that is, uh, you know, we'll have to see on that. That is to be continued. Tune in this Monday, as I mentioned, on the New Age Insiders Network. And finally, here in Merv Griffin time, David Raddy says, Good news, Mike and Brian. The David Raddy question of the week will be returning on a weekly basis starting today. Yes, if you're a fan of the early days of the WPAN, every week our friend David Raddy would send us a question to answer, and he's back. He's, he's uh, committing to doing this every week. We really appreciate it, David. Thank you very much. He says, here's my comment slash question. AJ Styles won the U.S. title from Kevin Owens at a house show in Madison Square Garden. I like it when titles change hands at house shows from time to time. Do you think the money in the bank contract should be cashed in at a house show, or is that pushing it a little too far? Uh, Of course, you know, Brian is not here to answer the question, but I'm going to say that, yes, that is pushing it too far. The money in the bank contract, that is built for, for TV. That is made for a compelling television moment. And if you take that and put it on a house show, you take that away from the people, they're not going to be happy. And like I said, that money in the bank, that cashing in of that contract is a made-for-TV moment. That is a big moment in the year, and you can't squander that in front of, you know, at this point, two or 3,000 people at a house show. That needs to be on TV. You need to put that in front of the people. As I said, one of the most compelling moments of the year is a money in the bank cash in. It is, I mean, it's something that, you know, of course, developed within the past 10 years that has become one of the biggest moments of the wrestling calendar. So you need that on TV. That's, that's, it's built for that. You need that to be on TV. You can't do that in a house show. So I say, no, that, that is pushing it too far. Yes, David, it's pushing it too far. The money in the bank has to be cashed in on television. Thank you, David Ratty, for your question. Look forward to what you have for us next week with the David Ratty question of the week. And we look forward to hearing from you 
talking to you on Twitter. We will bring you the best of it next week here on Merv Griffin Time on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on BDARadio.com. Quick plugs here. Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills. He is doing the podcast twice a week. Sundays, it's the Smoky Mountain Show. And Thursdays, it is the flagship show where they're talking about WCW World Championship Wrestling, the old Saturday 605 show. And I highly recommend you listen to their interview with Ian Riccoboni, the lead announcer, the new lead announcer of Ring of Honor. A great interview with him. Part one was uh, last week. And part two will drop on Thursday evening with Ian Riccoboni. Highly recommended you check out the Thursday podcast and, of course, always the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Podcast as well, both on one feed, the Book in the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast feed, mikemills.podbean.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check in the boots. Yes, check in the boots with Chip and Tony, referee Tony S., Chip K. Fabe. They do it every week on Sundays. They are reviewing the history of professional wrestling, doing deep dives into different talents, into different shows, into different angles. And I really think you should go check out at Referee Tony S. Check out at ChipKCTB. At ChipKCTB, you can find the poll where you can pick, you can decide what they talk about each week on Checking the Boots. And the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, finally, with Adam and Jason. You can check out the Rundown sit-downs, the interviews that Jason has done with a number of talents in New England, and the Rundown main podcast on Thursdays, where they talk about Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, all the news in professional wrestling. That is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and all those dilly-dills for the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Thanks to all those guys for helping us out and putting us over out there. And speaking of which... Putting Over Podcasts, the Facebook group. Go join the growing community, Putting Over Podcasts, the Facebook group. All right, folks, on this podcast, we have made the effort to establish a very unique, very exclusive Hall of Fame. Now, in life, as in wrestling, the number one way to tell people that you're up to no good is through laughter. I hearken back to the immortal words of one Tarzan Taylor. All it takes is that one over-exaggerated guffaw to let everyone know you're pure evil. So, with that said, I am humbly submitting this week's inductee to the wrestling podcast about nothing's Heel Laugh Hall of Fame. Icarus was warned to never let his wings made of wax get too close to the sun. But pride can make even the most noble men do such foolish things. And as Icarus neared the sun, his wings began to melt away. Icarus fell into the ocean, was never heard from again. Where's Cain? <laughs> I warned Cain. I told him that this fire he thinks is his friend, his beginning, it would ultimately be his ending. (laughs) And when Cain allowed his pride to cloud his common sense, well, that's when I knew that he was mine. (laughs) Like a lamb led to slaughter. Oh, where, oh, where has my monster gone? Oh, where, 
Now, he's burning in it. <laughs> Where's Kate? <laughs> Where's Kane? Yes, Bray Wyatt. One of the very few modern era wrestlers to be a part of our illustrious Hall of Fame, Bray Wyatt, and well-deserved. You heard that laugh at the end there. You heard it. That is a heel laugh, if there ever was one, a, a very worthy addition to our heel laugh Hall of Fame. Very proud of this one. I actually, um, I can say that it, the, the reason Bray Wyatt is in the Hall of Fame is because I'm watching Raw. I'm watching wrestling again. I saw him this past Monday cut a promo on Finn Balor with a lot of laughter. And that, uh, that perked my ears up. And uh, I made sure that I could get Bray Wyatt in the Heel Laugh Hall of Fame. So I guess you can thank, I guess I could thank Brian Fury for uh, getting me back to watching Raw, for dragging me back to the WWE. Because I heard Bray Wyatt, I heard that laugh, and I said, that right there is our next He'll Laugh Hall of Famer. Now to check out this Hall of Fame inductee in all his glory, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or go to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing page on BDARadio.com. All right, Brian is packing his bags, about to hit those highways and those byways this weekend, doing that pro wrestling thing. One more time, where are you headed? Brian? Oh, yeah, no Brian, but I know where Brian's headed. He's going to Fenway Park this Sunday for the El Mundo Family Festival. Make sure you're there. Make sure you see the wrestling in Fenway Park. It is a once, well, now it's a twice-in-the-lifetime opportunity to see wrestling in Fenway Park. And the Kingpin will be there for the first time, and maybe a surprise or two will be there this Sunday at Fenway Park. The festivities for the El Mundo Festival start at noon. Wrestling goes on um, intermittently throughout the day, I believe. So make sure, you know, plan to spend a few hours at the old ball yard. It'll be well worth it. You can get a sausage. You can get some popcorn. You can get a kettle corn, in fact. Hang out. Uh, enjoy all the festivities going on at the El Mundo Festival. And, of course, see some great professional wrestling, including... Our friend, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. And to book the Kingpin on your next pro wrestling event, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. And for more on the wrestling podcast about nothing, and to check out BDA Radio's MMA podcast, A Man Walks Into an Armbar with Chad Alden and Paul St. Ammon Jr., head on over to your home for MMA and wrestling talk, BDARadio.com. And if you want to support our efforts, the best way to do so is buying our t-shirt. Pick up the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash New Age Insiders. Or visit Facebook.com slash the WPAN. Hit that big blue Shop Now button. It will take you directly to our shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. You can buy it. You can wear it. Be a fashion plate. Be the next fashion plate in the wrestling genre. Wearing your Curtain Jerker Wrestling Podcast About Nothing t-shirt. 
We will be back. Yes, the both of us, the Kingpin, will be back next Monday with episode 66 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. we got a very special episode planned for you this Monday. Make sure you catch it. Then join us back here for the next edition of the WPAN on BDARadio.com and the Podcast Radio Network. Till then, somewhere out there on Bad Street, Atlanta, GA, is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. I'm here. I'm home. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.